Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. It's a 26-game point streak for Taylor Hall. He has an assist in the first period. And the Devils taking it to the Canadians tonight. It is 4-0 through 20 minutes. The shots in the opening period, 17-5 New Jersey. Devils 4, Canadians nothing after the first. Early second period, Boston leading Detroit 3-2. Also in the second frame, Jets leading the Rangers 1-0. Patrick Lining has his 36th. After the first, Blue Jackets 1, Vegas nothing. Panarin with his 21st. And about 12 minutes into the game in Tampa, Lightning up... Oh, they just scored again. 2-0 on the Panthers. JT Miller just scored. He was acquired by the Lightning at the trade deadline. Still to come tonight, Stars, Predators, Hurricanes at Wild, Colorado at Chicago, and the Capitals will play the Ducks. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. The Edmonton Oil Kings also in action tonight. They're winding down their season. They're just getting underway in Saskatoon. We'll keep you updated on that one. They had a win and a loss over the weekend. NBA tonight, halftime, 51-50. Atlanta leading Toronto. 51-50. All the Van Halen fans are all excited. That's the score. (laughs) That's great. 51-50, Atlanta leading Toronto. All right. So uh, the Oilers got a win last night. They uh, can't hold a two-goal lead, but sometimes they still win. So Clefbaum scored in overtime. He broke a 33-game drought. Milan Lucic broke a 29-game drought. A little more information today about the Oilers' European trip as we look at the Oilers' update for Nisku Ford. Every model on sale every day, Nisku Ford above expectations. They're going to finish their training camp in Germany. They will play... A German professional team in Cologne on October 3rd at 8 a.m. Mountain Time. On October 6th, they will open the regular season in Sweden against the New Jersey Devils at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. And then it's expected that the Oilers will make their way back to Edmonton through the eastern United States. So uh, you probably will need uh, five or six games before you see the Oilers play their home opener at Rogers Place in the fall. That's looking ahead to next season. As for what's going on right now, the Oilers have signed Ostap Safin to his entry-level contract. He plays for the St. St. John Sea Dogs in the Quebec Major Junior League having a pretty good season. 24 goals, 53 points in 56 games. Tall guy, 
Six foot five, only about 191 pounds, so he'll probably fill out a little bit. Taken by the Oilers in the fourth round, 115th overall in 2017. Hopefully, the Oilers have some forward prospects coming, especially on the wing. So Ostap Safin gets his entry-level deal. Oilers and Islanders will square off Thursday night. That'll be our next broadcast, 5.30 face-off show game at 7. Uh, the Islanders losing in overtime last night in Vancouver. And, of course, Jordan Eberle making his return to Edmonton. He joins us every week here on Inside Sports. Former NHL goaltender, now with the NHL on Rogers. It is the one and only Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic, Reed. I'm in uh, Buffalo and going to go for, what do you think I'm going to have tonight to eat in Buffalo? Oh, let me guess, about five dozen wings. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, I was going to go to the world-famous Anchor Bar, and I may end up there, but I've been told by some of the locals about a different place, and so I'm going to give that one a whirl. You know, it's funny. I was in Buffalo for the draft, uh, when was it? I guess in 2016. And yeah. uh, I actually didn't wind up going for wings, but I did wind up staying close to a street called Allen Street. Uh, luckily, okay. there's an Oilers fan that uh, we follow each other on Twitter. His name is Jeff Chapman, pretty passionate Oilers fan who lives in Buffalo. And I got to meet him briefly, and, and he said, oh, you're staying. And I was staying not downtown, so I didn't know where to go. And he said, go to Allen Street. And it was kind of like a smaller version of White Ave. So I was able to actually find a poutine place there and a bit of a, a, bit of a dive bar to, to have a pint after to rinse down the poutine. So I ate healthy while I was there, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I think that uh, uh, living on the road, like we seem to do during the hockey season, eating healthy, they don't really go hand in hand. <laughs> All right, Kelly Rudy joining us on, on Inside Sports. Hey, the Oilers got these, uh, they're going to finish their training camp in Europe. They're going to play a preseason game in Europe. The dates for that were uh, were announced today. I don't know if you ever did something like that in uh, in your career, but I want to think you must have you must have at least played in the in the uh, in the world at some point, didn't you? Yeah, I sure did. In 1986 uh, in Moscow, and it was still a communist country. It was an amazing experience. Uh, like truly amazing and eye-opening because for a guy that grew up in Edmonton and really at that point in my life I'd only played hockey in North America and and I thought North America was the epicenter of all of hockey and for me to go overseas and to see the uh, enthusiasm and the love for the game in Moscow was just really fantastic. I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, I, I was blown away by the world championship. I, I thought it was a pretty big event. I thought it was going to be pretty okay. I was not ready for the magnitude of the coverage and how the European nations really loved the game. And, and it was on a bit of a smaller scale for the Olympics, but that's what it really felt. It was just a great experience. And then I was lucky enough later uh, Reed, to go overseas uh, when Wayne Gretzky and uh, he took like a whole bunch of uh, ex-teammates and he called it Wayne Gretzky and Friends I believe Friendship Tour or something like that that was during the very first lockout in 1994 and we played in uh, uh, Finland Sweden uh, Norway uh, Germany a bunch of different places it was just it was one of the best experiences I've ever had again just knowing the, the love for the people uh, outside North America to have I, I was blown away when we went to Helsinki. That was the first uh, 
had on the trip. And I remember we stayed in a hotel that was circular. And there must, because everybody knew Wayne Gretzky coming to town, there, there must have been, like, new news coming there. And there, it seems to me there's, like, there's 10, ten people deep around the entire hotel trying to get a glimpse of Wayne. It, it blew us all away. We were and so on. We had no idea that it was worldwide like that and that he was going to be treated literally like Bono or somebody like that. Bruce Green. It was fast. I absolutely loved it. So my point being, with the Oilers and the other teams going overseas, it's going to be really uh, uh, refreshing for the guys. We're going to get a jolt of energy. Uh, just to see the enthusiasm those fans have for the game, and it's going to be fantastic for the league. Well, that's incredible. That sounds like you had a, had a great time. And, and, yeah, it's going to be cool for the Oilers over there, obviously being in Germany as well. So uh, that'll be big for Dreisaitl. Uh, McDavid will be there. And, uh, yes. and clearly Taylor Hall, who's on this incredible streak. And, and that leads me to my next question. Because the uh, the Hart Trophy debate is an interesting one, as you know, sometimes it's been a runaway. A runaway. Certainly, one of your uh, former teammates, Wayne Gretzky, was a pretty obvious pick some years with his uh, with yeah. the Oilers and the Kings. Uh, Mario Lemieux, who played with Rob Brown, was a pretty obvious selection a couple times in his career. This year, you hear a lot of different candidates. Hall's worked his way in. Kucherov's leading the league in scoring. He's up there. Bergeron's having a good all around year. Malkin in 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 Pittsburgh. Um, the Oilers aren't going to make the playoffs, but some people say, well, if McDavid wins the scoring title, he might still get some votes. Do you? And I know there's still about a fifth of the season left here, Kelly, but do you have a top three for the Hart Trophy right now? Oh, boy. You're going to limit me to three guys. <laughs> well, okay. So I'm going <laughs> to stick with my choice uh, All-Star Weekend. We had the same sort of little thing. We had to pick uh, uh, whom we thought might be the uh, early candidate for the Hart Trophy, and I went with Blake Wheeler. Uh, I just feel that his presence uh, on the Winnipeg Jets uh, uh, is enormous. His leadership is unbelievable. Uh, I don't think they have the same sort of season without uh, all of the things that he's provided on and off the ice. So I'm going to throw him into the top three. Uh, I think I have to go with uh, uh, Boy, Vasilevsky in Tampa, I think with his uh, play. And then it's going to be a tie. Then I'm going to go with uh, Nathan McKinnon and Taylor Hall, I think. Uh, and a, and an honorable mention to Frederick Anderson in Toronto. I, you know, there are times when I watch the Toronto Maple Leafs, I'm not sure they're even getting to the playoffs without the season that Anderson had. So I've extended it beyond three, but I think it's so difficult. I think it's said that many years ago are obvious to have Brett Peter from you or uh, people like that and the league the talent is wide is so incredible now and so many people uh, are having great seasons this might be one of the hardest ever to, to pick the heart. Well, yeah, it is. I think you're right. It's a, it's a pretty tight race and about McDavid I mean in, in hockey's the sport where it, it's I mean, he's he should be top five in scoring. He's five behind Kucherov, and you never know. But I think even if McDavid wins the scoring title or is up there around 100 points, it's to me, hockey's always been a sport where it's pretty hard to win the heart if your team's not in the playoffs. At least that's how it's usually been historically. Well, and that's kind of my rule also. To, be, to win any award, your team has to be in the playoffs. And I know it, it seems as though that's 
kind of unfair at times, but that's I think just from a pure standpoint, that's how I feel. That, and we always used to talk about that in the dressing room. That because uh, we'd have the same conversations, right? Or we'd go out for dinner the night before a game, and we'd talk about all this kind of stuff and rookie of the year and all, all those sorts of things. And in fact, that was one of my favorite parts about going on the road with the guys. We'd have all this, those discussions and. You'd have so many different viewpoints and reasons why the guys believe in, uh, you know, their their certain picks, and so I found that really fascinating. So it's uh, it's good conversation, and uh, we will see in a few weeks, I guess. Okay, well, I, let's go down that. Path. I mean, that's that's interesting because you're talking about often opposing players or you would have been talking about opposing players where you're saying well this guy is be- the best or we might have a guy on our team and, and is he going to win the trophy like well you have even if you like your teammates with a guy that might be up for an individual award or you think he will be would you be comfortable sitting there saying well i don't know this guy might edge you out or who's going to vote i mean that that that's really interesting to me that players would sit around and banter about that oh yeah oh totally you you know what? Everything's open for discussion. The great thing about it is that uh, I usually chose my friends that just love to talk hockey. So, you know, if there's certain guys, you know, you always need to escape and talk about other things as well. But man, I just love the the back and forth, and you know, I I really appreciated guys like Murray Craven that had a different point of view for different reasons. And so, to me, it's no wonder that he's doing so well with the. Vegas Golden Knights because he's an opinionated guy and that's what you need people that stand up to what they believe in and uh, and you know you, you stand by your convictions and you believe in what kind of player you like now that has to change and that has to evolve all the time but and then you'd have all these other interesting conversations uh, during the course of the game I, I recall one game uh, I was playing for the San Jose Sharks and I was backing up that night and I think it might have been Bill Holder one of our defensemen we're on defense, and we're probably half through the game. And Bill goes over and he goes, boy, this is a really good team. I didn't know Ottawa was good at that point. And, uh, I mean, you're always critiquing. You're always looking uh, for ways yourself to get better, but you have to give confidence when you see things that are uh, pretty impressive. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that, Kelly. Okay, the wings are probably oh, waiting. I've got another one for you. Oh, do it, yeah. I've got another one for you that might really surprise you. So... Game two of the 87 Canada Cup. We're winning 5-4, not much time left. And Valerie Kamensky, he weaves his way, I think, through the neutral zone into the uh, R end, and he absolutely roofs a beautiful snapshot over the glove of Grant Pierre. And so game is uh, the game now is tied 5-5. I'm sitting beside Mark Messe, and he just looks at me and goes, that guy, you're and I was like, wow, like this is a pretty pressure <laughs> game. Everything's on the line and Mark couldn't help but just he couldn't believe what he saw from Smith. So you know, things like that, right? Pretty pretty cool. Right on Kelly. Enjoy the wings, buddy. We'll talk to you again next week. Okay, thanks, Reed. Take care, bud. Right on. Kelly Rudy, ready to load up on Buffalo Wings in Buffalo. Why wouldn't you? It's 6.20. It's Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, you can reach out by texting 6.30, You can call 780-496-0063. I have uh, some texts I want to get to. One challenging something Kelly said, and uh, another one about the Oilers and misfortune. We will explore deeper when we get back. 
This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Josh in the park texting in. He says, what do you think about the Oilers trying Ryan Nugent Hopkins on McDavid's wing? Well, Todd McClellan has been asked that. You know, Nuge, uh, you know, Connor to Nuge, and everybody wants to see Connor and Nuge play together. Um, you know, that, that was a nice play. Happened to be six on five. We got the extra guy out. Uh, Nuge is having a tremendous year. Nuge has also been out for a month and a half. He's played 15 minutes of hockey in the last little bit. Let's let him play a little bit. Let's. He was gassed some shifts. He was coming off and he was red in the face, and, and that's no fault of his own. Let's just let him get a little bit comfortable, and then we can tinker with things a little bit later. That was Todd McClellan before yesterday's game against the Arizona Coyotes. Look, I, I, I feel that there is an almost unhealthy obsession with some of you of putting Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Connor McDavid together. I under, I understand the appeal of it. I understand Dreisaitl has had that opportunity and has excelled. And I, I, I certainly understand the affection that Ryan Nugent Hopkins inspires in many of you. Because I, I, I like him as a player too. And he was here through a lot of the crap. And uh, the team was better last year. This year, there's not as good. I don't think through any fault of his, he's had a pretty good season despite being injured. But but and as much as I'm like, yeah, you know, they're they're doing bad. Try the lines, whoever you want. Now I almost feel like there's this upset. And I mean, David Staples is a great example. Who I, I mean, David Staples is a city hall reporter who just happens to be a really big Oilers fan. So he has his platform because he's a damn good reporter and writer for the Edmonton Journal. He's, 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 when it comes to hockey, he's just a really rabid fan who emotionally reacts to everything and gets in a tizzy fit about every little thing. And he's banging the drum about Nuge with McDavid, Nuge with McDavid. So I'll, I'll counter this to Josh in the park and everybody else saying, like, why is it such a priority? And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm against it. I just feel like why, why has, of all the things that have become a storyline in this lost season, why has giving uh, Nugent Hopkins time with McDavid all of a sudden such such a massive priority? Because I feel there's a lot of other things to talk about. If it's there as an option, great. But I almost feel like it's gone from this, oh, that might be a good idea, to this like, well, McClellan better do it or is incompetent? So that's, that's all I'm saying there. Maybe somebody can explain it to me. That's fine. I, I, I have an open mind. 6.30 news coming up. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6.30 Chet. All right, Josh in the park riding back. Appreciate that, Josh. He says, just sick of seeing Dreisaitl and McDavid on the same line. I think it's not sustainable if we want to win, and we should be trying other options. We're not making the playoffs. Why are we playing still Dreisaitl with McDavid? Let's see who else can make it work with him. 
Bretsky says, Reed, in my mind, Nugent Hopkins has done the hardest work. He has changed his game for the Oilers more than any other player, earned a shot to play with Connor, but I agree with Todd McClellan. He needs to get his legs going first. Chris says, Reed, I completely disagree with Nuge playing with McDavid. Having Nuge allows us to keep Dreisaitl with McDavid, and Nuge can carry a line far better than Dreisaitl can. Lyle says, Nuge is a center. Keep him there. And the Big L says, Reed, how about putting McDavid on Nuge's wing? Well, that's what it, I mean, that's the thing. If, 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 McDavid is playing with Dreisaitl or Nugent Hopkins. He's actually the winger because he doesn't take as many face-offs and he's not as good at it. And then whoever is back first winds up going down low anyway. Anyway, just uh, I didn't expect to talk about that tonight. I, I just feel like that's maybe become, um, like I said, it, it, it's a topic that's become maybe bigger than it needs to be in my mind. I don't mind talking about it, but that, that's how I look at it. we got a special guest coming up in a minute here, but quickly, Nathan on the open line. Hey, Nathan. Hey, how, how are you? How are you doing, Reed? Good, Nathan. Um, how, do you, how many points do you think Conor McDavid will get this year? Uh, I think he's going to get exactly 100. How many do you think? Uh, I think 110 or something around there. Oh, wow. Well, he's going to have a pretty good finish then, eh? Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks, Nathan. Okay, bye. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. So I got I, before I bring our next guest onto the show, I have a bit of a confession to make, and I I I did something a little, a little mean spirited. If you listen to the show, hey, we all joke around. We can be sarcastic, but try not to be actually outright mean. This was a little. I was being cheeky, perhaps took a little too far. So there's a there's a I don't know if you've heard of this city. There's another city about the same size of Edmonton. If you drive straight south, you'll hit it. It's called, I think it's Calgary. So I go on the radio there. Uh, they got a young guy doing a show there called Pat Steinberg. He's got like this show. I don't, it's like an 18-hour show. I think it starts at midnight and goes till 6 p.m. So I'm on in the afternoon about a month ago, and I'm, sitting, I'm doing, doing the interview on my phone, and I'm at my desk, and for some reason I had uh, the TV on TSN2, and they're showing the uh, Grey Cup game from 2017, so from this November, on TSN2, and it's late in the third quarter. So it was mostly an interview about the Oilers and hockey and stuff, and I'm on with this uh, young man named Pat Steinberg. He's, he's the special guest coming up, excellent young man. And we do the interview, and, and we're wrapping up, and I say, oh, hey, Pat, just for your Calgary listeners, uh, the Stampeders are playing in the Grey Cup on TSN2. They're up eight late in the third. I think it's going to work out well for them. You know, I try not to, to be that much of a troll, but it may, maybe maybe cross the line a little bit as we bring Pat onto the show. I know that went over well with you at the time. It, it, it hurt me less than it hurt the people listening who still very raw about... The way that that Drake Cup finished. Although I got to be honest with you, you know, you're in Edmonton. I I, I, I quite love Edmonton as a sports city. It's a little different down here. The Sam Peters, as much as we love them, man, it's always awesome when they're the Great Cup. Wasn't a whole like okay, they lost. It sucked the next day. Except for like the core group of Sam Peter fans, people were over it pretty quickly. Yeah, people people like the Flames down here. People, people love the NHL down here. I feel like there's, I feel like there's more passion for the Canadian Football League in your fair city as compared to uh, this one three hours to the south. But you're right, about the same size. I believe Calgary's got a slightly larger 
more metropolitan uh, population down here in Calgary. I, I believe think that's so, probably yeah. an accurate statement. But yeah, I, a lot of similarities between these two towns. If you ever have a chance to visit Edmonton, I'll, I'll try and look you up. Yeah. <laughs> that's great, Pat. I appreciate it. Uh, Pat Steinberg joining us from Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. He'll host the Flames broadcast. Uh, I don't know if your talk show is 18 hours, but it seems like you do a lot of work, so that's cool. Uh, look, uh, what's going on? There's a lot to talk to you about Flames-wise. What is going on with the goaltending? Are they going to be able to survive? When is Smith coming back? What do you know? Well, I mean, it's, it's not all that different than what what you guys went through up there and, and talking about the backup for Cam Talbot. I mean, when when Talbot went down earlier in this earlier in the year, Laurent Brassois had to come in and take on games. It's very similar to what's happening right now with the Flames. It just so happens that it's happening at a terrible time because the Flames are fighting for their playoff lives and Mike Smith goes down. We still don't know when he's going to return to action. He's missed 11 games and counting. The Flames are 3 Six and two since he's gone down with a team save percentage of eight eighty four, which obviously isn't going to get the job done. So it's it's plain and simple. It's, they just don't have proper contingency goaltending for an injury to their number one guy. Mike Smith has been. I, I think you can make the argument he has been every bit as important to the Flames this year as Cam Talbot was to the Oilers last year. And if they don't have Smith playing, you know, MVP-level hockey earlier in the season, they're not even in this playoff conversation. So they, they definitely they definitely miss Smith. And, and the, the frustrating part is, from a Flames perspective, Reed, is that they had a guy, one of the guys that has been, you know, backing up and, and has been one of the players who has tried to take the load on since, since Smith went down. David Riddick was actually playing some really good hockey prior to um, prior to Mike Smith getting hurt. He was actually doing a, a really nice job as the team's backup, and there was, you know, a lot of promise there. And you're saying, okay, maybe finally the Flames have, have figured out what they're going to do with their backup position because, you know, you go back to the days of Mika Kiprasov in this city, the team the team did not have a backup goaltender. They, they, they played... They played Kiprasov 65, 70, 72 games a year, and it was kind of going in that same direction for Smith until Riddick kind of established himself, and they were like, okay, this guy looks like he's it. So Smith goes down, and and while Smith was healthy, the drop-off from Smith to Riddick was almost non-existent. He, He was playing that well. Smith goes down, Riddick gets the ball, opportunity to run with it, can't get the job done. And John Gillies, who's a third-round draft pick going back to the 2012 draft, he has shown some flashes, but he hasn't been able to get the job done, and there's been far too many questionable goals let in by both goaltenders. So more than anything else, they just have not been able to to get the saves they need at key times. And, you know, a lot of people who are criticizing the general manager for not going out and getting somebody – to, to truly be a contingency plan either prior to the start of the season or at the deadline. Like, for instance, you saw with Philadelphia do the deadline. They went out and got, they, they got Peter Mrazek, right? Sure, and yeah. So you're like, okay, should the Flames have done that? But the way Riddick had played, I don't, I don't blame them for saying, okay, let's see what we have here. It just so happens that neither of the guys that the Flames have used as, as options since Mike Smith has gone down have been able to get the job done. And, and right now, his 
knocked them right out of the playoff picture in the Western Conference. Well, they're they're approaching that point where, and hey, uh, obviously I, I wish the Oilers were this close. They've been out of it for a while. So as much as I was bugging you off the top, you know, you, you and I have a pretty mature approach, so I'm not trying to troll the flames. 100%. But they're they're in that little space where it's like it's almost too much to get back, right? Like I know there's 15 games left, and they only have to pass a couple teams. Three points is okay, right? Like to me, they're at the point of the season, though, if it gets to five or six, forget about it because then you can win two in a row and the team above you can lose two in a row and you're still not in and you're probably not going to win the third in a row at this time of year because it's so tight, right? So the, to me, they're they're still there, but it's really getting tense for them right now. They're teetering. They're absolutely teetering. And... and they are currently hanging on to playoff hopes with a threat, which is well below what the expectations were coming into the season. Rightfully so. The Flames went out. Now, much like the Oilers had high expectations, the expectations everybody had, myself included for the Oilers this year, weren't weren't off base. They, they were legitimately in the second round of the playoffs last year, and you could have made a pretty salient argument they should have been playing in the Western Conference Final last year had it not been for some bad calls. And, and so the, the expectations that we had on the Oilers coming into the season, absolutely valid. The same way Flames go out to get Mike Smith and they give up multiple draft picks to, to solidify their top four and bring in Travis Hamannick, the expectations of them fighting near the top of the division with Edmonton were valid. But they're, they're well below right now, and, and that's disappointing. And, and so, yeah, you're right. They are very much kind of teetering on no longer being in this thing. And... They have got what 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 would be the only thing because I think there's a decent chance they miss the playoffs. But the one thing that I think gives it a little bit more balance, so the thing I balance it with when I'm taking calls after games, is at least they've got beatable opponents on their schedule. You know, they've got you take a look at their their next little bit. They've got this three game road trip that started last night with a overtime loss in Pittsburgh, but they've got Buffalo tomorrow and they've got Ottawa on Friday. They've got the New York Islanders in town on Sunday. Those are all teams that you don't classify as, as juggernaut opponents. So if you can take care of business against teams that are below you in the standings, which is not always a guarantee, it's not always a fait complete, but if you can do that, at the very least, you're able to bank some points. What hurts, so that helps them, but at the same time, it hurts them because they don't have a lot of head-to-head matchups left. They're done with Minnesota, right. they're done with Dallas, they're done with St. Louis, they've only got one left with Anaheim, one left with L.A., and they've got two left with San Jose if, if they can keep themselves in the same category as the Sharks. So I guess the schedule hurts, but the schedule also helps depending on which way you look at it. But they, they definitely are hanging by a thread right now. Quick update here. Patrick Maroon has scored for the Devils. Taylor Hall assisted on that goal and one other. His point streak is to 26 games. The Devils crushing the Canadians tonight. Speaking of teams that are uh, out of it, like the Oilers, 6-1 New Jersey leading Montreal late in the second period. Full scoreboard in a few minutes. Okay, Pat, Gary Bettman was here last week. I got to interview him uh, one-on-one during the intermission of the Oilers game, and I know he was at a Chamber of Commerce breakfast. Then he went to Calgary the next day. He, I think the line that summed it up the best, uh, and he was asked a whole bunch of other questions when he was in Calgary, somebody said, so the, the ball is in the Flames' court when it comes to our arena discussions, and he said, no, there is no court because they're refusing to even talk about anything. Uh, and then I asked him, I said, so can the Flames continue to be in Calgary? 
can the NHL stay in Calgary without an arena? And he goes, oh, well, I don't know. I, I don't make predictions. I don't make threats. He's so good at giving you, you know, taking the conversation to where he wants to go. So, like, is anything is anything going on? Like, what are they just going to keep playing there till it reaches a breaking point? What's happening? All quiet on the Western Front right now, at least publicly. Um, and I think I think there's been an absolute um, thawing of, or, or absolute freezing rather of of any communication between the two sides over the last number of months. I do think there are two things that are interesting here. Number one, uh, prior to the election, our, our civic election down here, um, which was a whole lot more contested than yours was in Edmonton. I mean, the, the, the mayoral election in Edmonton was a walk. It was, it was still a pretty significant win for a third term for our mayor, Mayor Nahid Enchi down here, but a little bit more contested. Um, but about a week before the election, um, I, I got a little time with the mayor, and, and you know, I kind of suggested that you know, this was going to be something that, that maybe they, uh, they, they sit on for a little bit once the election's done, and they reconvene, and maybe it's the city who comes back to the flames, and they reconvene sometime later on in 2018. So there's two reasons why I think the city would go back to the flames. Number one, they do have a plan for redevelopment in the Victoria Park area downtown Calgary. So that, that area is right near where the Saddle Dome is right now. It has slowly been uh, kind of refurbished and improved, but, you know, it, it still is in need, I think, of some gentrification. So they've got this plan to, you know, kind of really uh, jumpstart that with a, with a, a big-time development plan. And, and one of the centerpieces of that development plan is an event center. Mm-hmm. And they want the event center. So I think because that plan is going forward and because they would like to have the Flames as a part of that plan, they might go back to the Flames and reopen the conversation. The other interesting part, and I think this is far more significant, is the Olympic factor. I believe that if Calgary decides to bid for the 2026 Winter Olympics, they will get them. And I'm sorry, as much as the IOC has said, as much as the the mayor has said, as much as other people who are anti-arena has have said that, oh yeah, you can do an Olympics at the Saddle Dome. There is no way that you can convince me that in eight years' time, after just watching what happened in South Korea and all the state-of-the-art buildings and how incredible it looked, there's no way that you can convince me that you can make the Saddle Dome viable for an Olympic Games. So I think if the if the Olympics becomes a reality here and the city decides to bid on it. I think they're going to need a new event center. And, and no offense to, you know, I had my first opportunity uh, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, to watch a hockey game at Rogers Place in, in downtown Edmonton. It's incredible. But you can't, do, you can't do an Olympics in Calgary and have hockey being played in Edmonton. It just wouldn't make right. sense. So, so I think they're going to, if they're going to truly bid for an Olympics, I believe one of the things that would be uh, a catalyst for that is them getting a new event center and, and having an arena and a home for the Flames as part of it because I just think it, it needs to be part of it as much as some of the rhetoric right now would suggest otherwise. I don't think they can have an Olympics in this city without a new arena. Yeah, makes sense. Well, that's a big story to follow. I mean, you know what? It was uh, it was very difficult here, and it looks like the path you guys are going down might even be uh, rockier, and that that's hard to believe. Pat, thanks for the update. It's going to be interesting. Hopefully uh, the Flames can figure something out here down 
down the stretch. I, I, I always like when more Canadian teams are in the playoffs than fewer. So uh, And still two games against the Oilers, so it could be big. And for some reason, Calgary refuses to beat the Oilers the last couple of years. So uh, <laughs> those, those will be See, interesting you're, just rub, you're just rubbing things in all over the place tonight, aren't you? Well, that's not what I didn't mean it that way. I just meant that that's what's happened. I'm, I'm, a, bad, I'm, a, I'm a bad man. You like, are a bad man. Thanks, but Pat. I like it. <laughs> See you, Pat. Period. That's Pat Stiper checking in. Host of Flames Hockey Sports at night, 60 in Calgary. Always uh, good to have him on the show. So, uh, you know, it's it, the whole backup goalie discussion, right? We've had it here in Edmonton with the Oilers. Uh, does, why does Talbot have to play so much? And how, how was, I mean, who have we had? We had uh, Gustafson. Had Brassois, well, had Anders Nielsen back in Talbot's first year. Montoya's here now, and then who knows gonna, is going to be down the road, and and the Flames searching for a backup as well. I mean, it kind of makes you wonder, like how many how many goalies are there in hockey that are capable of being a steady starter, right? Would you would you say maybe there's forty, and then there are twenty backups that you know kind of aren't that solid. 15 that aren't that solid, right? I mean, I mean, there are a lot of teams that don't have a really good backup. That's kind of the nature of that position, but Calgary's going through that now for sure. They will play Buffalo tomorrow. We'll update the full scoreboard when we get back. You can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063, Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. All right, here's what's going on in the NHL. New Jersey up 6-2 on the Canadians after two. Hall two assists, point streak to 26. Late second, Boston up 5-4 on Detroit. Marchand, a couple of goals. He now has 27. Jake DeBrusque has his 14th. Jets lead the Rangers 2-0 after two. Line has both, 37 on the season. Columbus leading Vegas 3-1 after two. Midway through the second period, Lightning 3, Panthers 1. Stars and Predators are scoreless after the first period. Also after the first, Wild are up 1-0 on the Hurricanes. Eric Stahl, what a season he's having. He gets his 35th, and Chicago leads Colorado 1-0 nine minutes in. One more game still to come. That's the Capitals at the Ducks. NBA tonight, end of the third quarter. Atlanta 77, Toronto 76. Western Hockey League in Saskatoon. The Blades lead the Edmonton Oil Kings 2-0. That one is uh, after the first period. Richard Tech 63630. I would like to see the news with McDavid because I think their styles of play would be very compatible. I really like Ryan Strom as the third line center and I do not want to trade the Nuge, so why not move him to our low talent wing somewhere? He might really flourish the way he reads the ice and the play. He has a really good hockey sense. I think he could help make our first line scary for the opposition to face. That is a text from Richard. You can text 630-630. Oh, I didn't get to this one. Paul says, if playoffs are a thing, why is Kelly Rudy putting McKinnon in his heart nominations? Yeah, he put him in the top five. And uh, you're right. As of right now, Colorado is not in the playoffs. They're a point out. Uh, Well, I guess if Colorado doesn't get in, Kelly would take him off the list. But as for now, I guess Colorado close enough that he would put him in there. Fair question. The Oilers today signing... 
Ostap Safin to his entry-level contract. He was drafted in the fourth round last summer in Chicago. Tall guy, six foot five, about 191 pounds, having a pretty decent year in the Quebec Major Junior League with the St. John Sea Dogs. Uh, 53 points in 56 games, 24 of those goals. So hopefully an Oilers prospect who is coming along. And if you missed it earlier as well, we got the dates and times for the games the Oilers are going to play in Europe in the fall. October 3rd, 8 in the morning, they'll play a German pro team in Cologne. And then they'll play the Devils to start the regular season in Sweden. October 6th, it'll be an 11 a.m. face-off time here in Edmonton. A couple of other hockey notes. Brock Besser for the Canucks. Great young player. Lower back injury out four to six weeks. Jonathan Chichu officially retires. Last played in the KHL in 16-17. 56 goals in 05-06. Won the Rocket Richard Trophy. U of A basketball team getting ready for nationals. We'll touch on that in the next half half hour. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.